We've been talking for the last uh, three or four weeks um, about being connected. And uh, the, the more I study, the more I pray, the more Elizabeth and I um, talk together, the more I realize how important this message is. Um, because being disconnected is no way to live. Disconnected from your marriage, disconnected from your job, disconnected from church, disconnected in relationship, disconnected today in family. And family, I believe, is, is key, is possibly one of the main keys to our, um, to our livelihood, to, ha- to living a good life, a full life. I'm going to show you a scripture from that. But today we're talking about being connected to the family. And uh, I've asked Elizabeth to come up here and join me because we are a family. And uh, I can't hit every point. I can't reach you. And sometimes it takes both of us. And we're going to see from Scripture that that's biblical, that we're a team. And uh, if you would, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, 18. That Bible's that book in, in, next to the hymnal, and if you don't know what the hymnal is, it's that book next to the Bible. <laughs> Grab one of those. Genesis 2.18. All right, are you all ready? Father, speak to our hearts. Amen. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the, wild, all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. Verse 21. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took him out of one of the man, took out of one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, "This is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man." Verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. I want you to know God started with family. God started in creation with family. God's creation was man, woman, family. Adam and Eve. And when God started with Adam and Eve, they had issues. They had kids, and they had issues. Their kids had issues. The first set of kids had issues. You might think, well, the first set probably did okay. No, they had issues. Adam and Eve had issues with them, and so on and so on. You know, can, can you relate? Did you hear her singing during worship? You know, the music stopped or the, the, the whole um, movement stopped and she just kept on going. I, just, I literally just wanted to stop and just go, go with her. 
I wanted to go with her. I think that the Lord would say the same thing. I want to go with her. She's continuing on. Let that, let that. And she doesn't know the words to sing spontaneously. That was it. La, 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 la. Y'all aren't going to do it? That's okay. La, 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 la. Childlike worship. I don't care who cares. I don't care who I disturb. I'm not disturbing the Lord. Okay, back to family. In our families, we have saints and we have sinners. We have heroes and we have gangsters. Yeah. We have, everyone in our, in our families has someone who's divorced or struggling with their marriage. We all have that uncle that's in prison. We have those family members that are alcoholics. We have those family members that have issues. I have them. You have them. We all have them. We have issues. And it is into family that God brought Jesus into this world. He didn't just have Jesus show up. Jesus. Jesus came by family. It, God's, it is God's idea, family. Jesus was born into a family like yours and mine. They had issues. When you are born, you are born into a relationship with a brother and sister, with a mother, with a father, with a grandparent, with an aunt, with an uncle, with cousins. And we're placed immediately into family and forced to stay there. When you were born, you didn't get to go through a buffet line and say, I don't like that, I like this, and I'll, I'll have that. You didn't get that option. God chose that for you. And by the way, regardless of how you came into this world, functional or dysfunctional, God created you. And you weren't a mistake. My parents have said that I was an accident. Let me just say, I wasn't. <laughs> Anybody here, their parents say you were an accident? Go to your parents and let them know how that happens. It's not an accident. Hey, we're family, right? It happened right at the beginning. It's happened ever since. You were not an accident. And you were created by God. And you were immediately put in a family. <sighs> All families struggle through lies, insults, yelling, and tears. But did you know that living in a family gives us lots of opportunities for forgiveness? For patience. As uh, Colossians 3, for putting on love. All of us sometimes are sinners at times. Others times we're saints. We're placed into a family and we're forced to stick together, but sometimes they fall apart. 
Unconditional family love is a major issue here on the table. Sometimes we feel obligated to love our family members. On the other hand, because you're related to somebody doesn't mean you automatically love them. Or that they're going to have your back. Just in real life. Family relationships can be complicated, confusing, and frustrating. You know, we, we've learned about uh, from being connected to God and then being connected to one another. We saw that the first two commandments, the most important commandments, is love the Lord your God and love each other. Do you know that God introduces us into that right away? We are introduced into family, and we have to learn to deal with one another, to live with one another, to bear with one another, loving each other. Our family, it's said to love your neighbor as yourself, Our family is our first neighbor. Babies come out, they look at mama and they say, hello, neighbor. (laughs) A neighbor is a person who lives next to or near another person. A person or thing that is next to or near another. The first people we have to learn to love is our family. It's where we first develop our first relationships, have our first disagreements, have our first encounter with anger, frustration, bitterness, It's the first time we have to walk through forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. God intentionally placed us immediately into relationship because relationship is vital. It is the key to our walk with God. Now, as we look at this relationship and as we start to build, start to see, as soon as we are born, we have to start developing relationship I'm going to hand this over to Elizabeth to talk a little bit about the, um, the dynamics and the complexity of, of us being able to function. Take it away. Amen. So it, just staying in that vein of talking about families, um, one of the things that I want to bring up is um, something from psychology that's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and probably a lot of you have heard of that. Um, if we can just get that triangle model, that model up there. Um, this is just a, um, just a little piece of information here for you, but just to briefly explain um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you start at the bottom, physiological, um, it's like you're building on a base. And so as Paul was talking about um, families, and as we got together and we're praying about this and talking about this, I immediately kind of went into teacher mode for a minute. Um, But I do think that it's relevant, and I think it's good for us to look at um, research and, um, you know, models that help us learn and grow. So let's just look at this together for a minute. And that um, physiological needs, when those needs are met, that would be like your basic need of, like, um, food, water, sleep, shelter, clothing, just those basic needs. And then the next um, piece is safety which um, of course would be like security and stability. And um, you know, like for example, um, financial stability is important here to feel secure, um, you know, that your health and your well-being is cared for here. Um, but the next one is that belonging. And I think really today that that's what we're looking at, um, that friend, family, community connection. And, um, you know, the truth is, is that Maslow, when he described these hierarchy of needs, 
He started at the bottom, and he said that people first need to get their basic needs met. And it's like a building block. And so as those needs are met, just like your belly's full, and you have a good place to sleep, and you feel warm and secure, and then you can start to work on those relationships, right? This is what this model's explaining to us. After those relationships are worked on, then we move on up to self-esteem, and that begins to build a person's self-esteem. If you'll go ahead and put those, that definition out there. Um, this would be where somebody starts to feel good about themselves, have some confidence, um, you know, maybe a feeling of achievement, personal achievement, um, feeling like they're respected and respect other people's, and then finally self-actualization, which is the goal in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, which is just kind of finding your purpose, living a life of fulfillment, living a life of, you know, being secure in who you are, relating to other people and, and feeling that um, potential that's been placed inside of you, which I believe is God-given. Well, so all of that sounds a bit mumble-jumbled, I think, at this point, but what I want to tell you, I think that this is very useful, but the truth is, and especially where Paul and I and the children have just been this week, um, we've been on a trip to um, Washington, D.C., and then we went to Philadelphia. So we spent all this time, my oldest daughter described it, it's like Disney. It's hot, it's sweaty, you're walking through crowds of people as fast as you can, you go stand in a line, but the only difference is that at the end of the line you don't ride a ride, you learn. <laughs> so true, we learned a lot, we saw a lot, um, but one of the things that struck me, and as we're talking about families and building those relationships, one of the things that stuck out to me so much, we had the opportunity to go through um, the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. And it was a lot of reading, it was a lot of photographs. The kids did well, they stuck with us. Um, it, was, it was honestly tough to get through, but it was so well done. Um, if you ever have the chance to go, I would definitely highly recommend it. But one of the things that struck out to me, um, that stuck out to me is how much the Nazis dehumanized the Jewish people. They brought them in to those concentration camps. They stripped them down. They took away their, their clothing. They shaved their heads. They didn't feed them. I mean, you, you look at this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you know what? They didn't have any of their needs met. They were starving. They were thirsty. It was horrible. But what stuck out to me is the relationships that were formed and the unity that was formed between those survivors and the stories that were told and how, you know what, that human spirit of getting together and finding that common ground and that praying and seeking God together and overcoming, it was overwhelming to me to stand in it. And I can tell you there were moments that I had to look away. But I want to tell you, regardless of what you've grown up with, to walk through that and see those people overcome. You know, I felt the same way. Every time we go to, like, old homes, like we went to um, George Washington's home. What Mount is that Vernon. Called? Mount Vernon. And to go look at this, the, the slave where the slaves stayed, I'm always so moved and overwhelmed to see what people survive and come through and, and the, 
the spirit, the, that they connect on a spiritual level of trusting God, praying together, and overcoming. And so, you know, as I sat there and looked at all that stuff, what I keep thinking is, we need each other. I dare say, sometimes I think we need each other as much as we need food, water, sleep. I mean, we need food, water, and sleep, but you know what? We need each other. And so as I'm looking at this belonging, and I'm looking at what it does for a person to belong to a group, to belong to a family, to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel part of the group, you know what? I can see that it's, it's no accident that this is how God built us. We need each other. And I have been saying for years, I think because a lot of the things that I've walked through in my personal journey, that forgiveness is key. Forgiveness is key. And, and just, to, just to remind you, Matthew 5, 24 and 25 is about forgiving. It's about working things out with the adversary. Because you know what? When we don't, when we don't, we're in prison. And so I just want to remind you this morning, you hold a key, and the key is forgiveness. So you stop looking at everybody and thinking about what they did wrong. Don't live in that moment. Take those thought captives and start thinking, what's good? What's peaceable here? What's lovely? I'm going to think on those things. And that's Romans, in case you're wondering. Um, so that sense of belonging or, for, or uh, fitting in, I think, is key. And I think the point here um, is that, of course, as parents, and here we are on a Sunday morning, you know what? We are the people that reach out to the people who need food. Um, I, I love some of, um, some of the literature that's coming out lately in the Christian communities because I think people are beginning to discover that you meet their basic needs first. You know what? Give somebody some food and then tell them about Jesus. Because if you're trying to just tell a hungry person about the love of Jesus, well, you know what? I think sometimes we're speaking over their head. But we are that people. You know, just like we're reaching out to the kids at Avery Trace, we're reaching out in our community and feeding broken people, hurt broken people. We're meeting needs. But I also just want to say, here you are on a Sunday morning with a family. And you know what? Hopefully, and I'm just going to guess you guys are meeting I'm just going to guess that you guys are meeting those basic needs because here you sit on a Sunday morning, right? But I want to encourage you. I think we got to go further and forgive each other and build those relationships. And I also want to remind you of um, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 that says, forgive, you know, we don't get forgiven unless we forgive. Forgive. Don't hang on to it. Don't hang on to it. It's not worth it. And, you know, have you ever seen those people who just get stuck? They just got stuck in a place of they, they couldn't forgive, they couldn't get past it. And have you ever been that person? I can tell you I've been there. I've done that, and I have the T-shirt for it. And it's not worth it. So forgive. Work out those relationships. And you know what? I think that there's something to this, but I think as Christians, we see a bigger piece of this. Don't you? And that sense of belonging, that sense of knowing who we are in Christ and loving each other and loving our family. And then you know what? Healthy relationships are built. Self-esteem, 
knowing, you know, when your kids know who they are in Christ, it's a beautiful thing. Okay. Let's stay here just for another minute. Um, you may say, okay, how does this apply to Scripture? You know, you're throwing some, some uh, psychology at us and some science at us. Well, when Scripture tells us that the proper religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. Why? Because they can't meet their basic needs. They struggle to meet those basic needs. And we can see that what we do with Avery Trace, these kids that are coming to Avery Trace and not able to eat, instead of forcing the word down them, we are trying to give them food. We're trying to reach them in the way that the Lord has said to reach people. If someone's hungry, give them some food. If someone's cold, give them a jacket. They're not going to want to hear you preach on their soapbox when they're cold and hungry. When Jesus preached, he fed them. So you can see how important these two steps are even before we get to that belonging. Uh, Elizabeth was sharing with me on our trip back. We drove it all back in one day, and uh, it gives you a lot of time to talk. Finally, the radio, I hear all the songs over and over and over. I'm just finally sick. And, okay, let's talk. She's ready to talk. She's dying to talk. I'm like, okay, let's talk. <laughs> and uh, we got to talking about this belonging and um, how her sister worked in the um, kind of the nursing home field. And they all responded with the same need. Yeah, you want me to talk to that? My sister was actually a home health nurse. And what she said to me overwhelmingly when she walked into a person's home to check on them, especially our, her elderly patients, that she said, they're so lonely, Elizabeth. She said, I just, it's like I want to get this little man with this little man over here and this little guy over here to this woman here to this woman here and just connect them. Because they're all in the same boat, and they're lonely. And that sense of, you know, that family relationship, we need it. And unfortunately, she would go and make her visits, but unfortunately, they were just in their home alone. And, and I also want to say, I am not good at reading um, war stories, but my husband, Paul, is very good at it and he shares with me sometimes it's too heart-wrenching for me and I, I just don't enjoy it but I like for him to tell me about it because he kind of you know makes it a little bit easier for me to stomach but he had read um, uh, Senator McCain McCain John McCain's um, story Biography. yeah and I remember he told me about when he was in captivity and being tortured and all these horrible things were happening to him. And I want to say he was in captivity for like three years. Is that right? I don't remember. But Paul said, and he could probably say it better than me, but essentially he could take anything, but it was when they put him in, in um, isolation. When they took away his, his people that he was serving that time with, that he was captured with, and they put him by himself. And so it just makes you realize, you know, the need for human interaction. And I think a lot of times when we get hurt and wounded, our first instinct is to isolate ourselves and to cut ourselves off. But I think what we have to remember is God's word is true, 
and he tells us to forgive. I don't know what happened there. But we need to forgive. Don't cut yourself off. Because then we just get more vulnerable, honestly, to the attacks of the enemy. Go ahead. You know, God placed us in family on purpose. And I don't know if many of you have broken relationships in family. I want to think that you probably do, because I do. I have more than one. And the funny thing is, even though I think that I'm right and they're wrong, I still hurt over it. Uh, Even though I'm not happy about the situation, down deep, I still would like it to be worked out. And God's put that in you. God's instinctively placed that in you. You may be lying to yourself and you say you're okay to not be around anyone, but that's a lie. You were created to be connected to your family, to the church family, to your spouse. You were created for that. Mm-hmm. Once you know that two essential elements of family, marriage and parenthood, reveal God's character like nothing else in creation. The love between a husband and a wife provides a glimpse of Christ's passionate devotion to us as his bride. And in the same way, the ups and downs of parenthood offer a compelling picture of God's tenderness and patience toward his children. Let me ask you something. Does your family know you like no one else knows you? Hello. My family, all I got to do is get in the car with them for eight or ten hours and they see a side of me that they normally don't see. And I see a side of them that I normally don't see. I mean, some of it is just hilarious and we could never talk about. And other things, other things are so rough that we could never talk about. Uh, you know, you guys sometimes get the little stuff that we can talk about, and then we leave out the stuff that we can't talk about. But family, I believe, is God's way of showing you who you really are. It's the way that God can get down to the root of saying, this is what your problem is. Look how you are with your sibling. Look what just came out of your mouth, because it wouldn't have come out at school. It certainly wouldn't come out at church. No, we know how to actually dress differently. I don't ever dress like this. I don't. I've put on my suit and tie. And, you know, we'll leave it at that. That's as far as I'm going to go. All dressed up in black and white. Okay. But this is not really who I am. I'm I'm different. Um, Elizabeth would like me to be different in how I would like to be. I'd like to be in sweatpants and a t-shirt. Can can I get an amen from that from anybody? Okay, that's what I thought. But family is what exposes who we really are. God has a way of shining the light on you to show you where your challenges are so you can get better. I am going to act relatively decent at work. Act. I am going to act relatively decent at lunch with a friend. 
But when I get home, there are times that the buttons get pushed and all bets are off. And the Lord says, that's what I want to deal with. Because that's what's in your heart. You're walking around covering it up, but look at you now. And you're running around throwing a fit like in Walmart. Have you ever seen a child throw a fit in Walmart? Have you ever seen an adult throw a fit in Walmart? <laughs> Have you ever seen an adult throw a fit at a family gathering? <laughs> God places us into, into, puts us into places so that He can identify what needs to be cleaned out. He loves us so much. That he puts us into these places to say, look, I want you to see where your heart really is. Because I want you to overcome. And do you know that even if these needs aren't met, even if these needs aren't met, even if everything is stacked against you, God will help you overcome. God doesn't abandon you if you get the first two messed up because of bad choices. Bad choices on your own or because of bad parents, or because of a bad setup that wasn't your fault at all, God will help you overcome. Elizabeth made a statement. This is going to be kind of hard for me to say. We need, we need family so much. I think, that we need, I think that we need each other. I don't want to say this this way. Almost as much as we need God. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I believe we need each other. Do you know how I find the Lord sometimes? It's through you. Do you know how I get help in my life sometimes? It's through you. It's through my wife. It's through my family. It's through my church body. Rarely do, do I wake up in the morning and see all this wood laid out to build my ark. I don't know that I've ever had that happen. Where just poof, there it is. God has worked through someone else. We need each other. We need to restore family. We need to restore family. And I'm going to close um, with how important the husband and wife is. And I'm going to pass this back to Elizabeth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to end here. This is the story of Joseph and Mary. Do you want to read this or do you? You can read it. All right. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her, pub make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Do you remember what's happened? Mary... His fiance is pregnant. Issues. They got issues. Joseph's walking around thinking, man, I guess I missed that one. I thought she was to be mine. But I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm going to secretly kind of get my way out of this. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
and she will bring forth a son, and you shall name him Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took to him his wife. Amen. So one of the things that I began to see, I don't know, just the Lord began to show me through, through the study of how he sent an angel to Joseph was the, important of, the importance of fathers. Because, you know, the truth is Mary had already conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. But God knew that it was so important that Jesus was in an earthly family, that he wanted Jesus to have an earthly father. And so I think in a society, we live in a time where women are having babies by themselves. And I think that this is such a good reminder to remind that, you know what, family was God's idea. Um, you know, just like Paul started with, with Adam and Eve and how he created Eve to be Adam's helpmate. You know, he called Joseph to be Mary's husband, to be the father of Jesus. This was his idea. This was his idea. And I know that we live in a broken world. I know that we live in a world of divorces. And I know some of you, a lot of you are probably sitting here thinking, you know what, I'm in that boat. I, I am divorced, or I have been. But you know what? I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you people who are still married. You know what? This is God's idea. And, and, and it's so much his idea that he sent an angel to Joseph and, and, and spoke to him in his sleep. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal that, that we're families and that we work together, that we forgive each other, that we respect each other, that we honor each other, that we love each other, and that we work our stuff out. And I want to remind you right now, I'm, I'm going to like go all Hollywood for just a minute, but you know the story of the vow? It's actually a Christian love story. It's a very, very sweet story. They did make a movie of it, which really doesn't hold. I would recommend reading the book first. Um, but one of the parts that I love about that movie. Which one? The vow. Did oh, I, not say that? I don't know. The vow. She I, did say I don't it. know that I would like go get it immediately. I do think that there's like some probably scenes. There's issues. Parents, in, so. watch it before you let your kids watch it. This feels funny when I like talk about movies in the here. But anyways, but but what I loved about that movie is um, the relationship. The 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 woman who had temporarily lost her. Well, she didn't temporarily lost it. She lost her memory for good. But when she woke up, she remembered her parents. And what she didn't remember is that she had had a broken relationship with them. She didn't, re she didn't remember any of that. So, of course, her relationship with her parents was completely restored. What she couldn't remember was her husband. So she goes back to her parents, and this relationship is great. And slowly but surely, she begins to find out what really happened. And what happened is her dad had had an affair with one of her friends that was her age. You know, there's this whole gooey, gooey mess. But I'm saying all this to say my favorite part in that movie 
is when the mother looks at the daughter and she said, I chose my family. I chose to forgive your dad. I chose to forgive him. And she says something in effect of like, for all the things that he did, I, I, I chose to forgive him for the thing that he did wrong because he did so many things right. And I think sometimes we get stuck on the few things that were so wrong and we refuse to move forward. And so I'm just saying, I think it's time that we choose to forgive and to not be stuck in those moments of, I'm gonna be mad, I'm gonna be angry, this didn't go the way that I thought that it should go. I can tell you life just doesn't. And we've got to just forgive each other and love each other and keep moving. Amen. As we close this morning, I want you to know that we are, the Lord has called Elizabeth and me, the Lord has called me to, to this church and to grow this church. Now, growth doesn't always look like you think it would look. Um, but how can we grow as a church body if we're broken as a family? If you have issues in your family, you're going to have issues in church. If we can get things right from the core, start at those basic needs, get things right with each other, get things right with God, get things right with each other, get things right with our family, we have hope as a church. Don't think for a second that you can have a broken life and come in and do church perfectly. You can't. Work on your family. The Lord says, before you come in here and worship, go get right with your brother. That's more important. Get your issues worked out. I want to say again, forgiveness doesn't say it's okay for them to continue hurting you. It's not. It is right for you to get out from under an abusive, um, hurting situation. But you are still called to forgive. Can we forgive? Can we start to grow as a family? Would you make a commitment to try? Pray that the Lord will intervene. Lord, it's going to take a miracle for you to move in this family member of mine. Yes, it's going to take a, member for the, uh, it's going to take a miracle for the Lord to move in my life. Move in my life. Will you all stand up with me? Stay with me. Father, I just ask for miracles and families. Lord, you are, the, you are the author, you are the creator of family. You are the creator of marriage. And you know, Elizabeth said, I'm going to kind of preach and pray. As a, you, may, you may be here and may be in a divorce. You may have, have issues there. I want you to know Jesus has paid the price for you. Your past is done. What you have in front of you is your future. Scripture says, today you get to choose death or life. Choose life. Father, in Jesus' name, give us the strength and the power and the right words to help heal our families. And Lord, let it be done through us, not look for the other person to do it. Let us move in faith, and God, we just ask you to part the waters. And that we would cross on dry ground. Lord, you're on the hook for this. You're the one that's calling us to do this. 
and you're not calling us to do anything that's impossible. Help us, Lord. Lord, I forgive my sibling. I forgive my aunt and uncle. I forgive my parent. I forgive my coworker. Help me to restore that relationship. Lord, I want you to hear my prayers and I don't want to carry around unforgiveness and be in chains my whole life. I release that person today. And Father, as I release that person, I ask you to release me of this bondage of unforgiveness. Would you do that this morning? Would you make that first time commitment to Christ? Would you make that commitment today to forgive? Yes, Father, I will commit. Your words, we sang this morning, if you move to the left, I'll move to the left. And if you move to the right, I'll move to the right. And Lord, your word says forgive, so I'm going to forgive. Church, do you mean it when you sing it? Would you follow Christ? Follow him today. Just open up the altars right now to any kind of prayer need that you may have. Those that are praying, come on down. We want to, to join with you. We want to join together to see mountains move. For the fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Would you come down here and let us pray? In Jesus' name as we sing. Amen.